Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. I'm so excited to continue this series. So Andrew did an incredible job starting us off when we've been looking at how do we unlock supernatural power and what does that even mean? And how does that look like in our midst in today's uh, world and, and as believers of Jesus Christ? And so he started us off with the laying on of hands to begin to teach on that, that, that we use like a physical, regular, natural part of our body and we lay it on our hands on one another and God begins to unlock the supernatural and we see people's bodies healed and life transformed, set free from discouragement and bondage and depression. So we see that part. And then Joel talked about last week about spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit so desires to pour out upon his people, not upon just certain leaders and people who've got it all together because let's be honest, none of us do. It's for everybody here to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you give me one of those gifts that It says to earnestly desire these things. And so Joel talked about that and how it's so important. All of these things, I believe, from the laying on of hands to the impartation of spiritual gifts. And today we're talking about corporate worship. What is it for? Why do we we want the supernatural power? Why do we want, why do we talk about it? I believe it's not just for us to have like, a feel-good service where you leave, you're like, felt great, I, I feel so much better now, and now that, that's it, and I'll just kind of close that chapter of my week. No, what is it for? It's for all of us as a body of believers, and so that's what we're talking about is corporate worship, because we can worship on our own, which is amazing to do, and I love doing it, but it's corporate worship together, and what happens when we lift our voices and join together in worshiping the Lord, He becomes to inhabit those praises and his presence comes. And that's where we see the unlocking of that, the laying on of hands where transformation comes and the spiritual gifts being released and being operated throughout the body. And we need all of those things to strengthen the body believers. We live in a world that desperately uh, is trying to take us in a very opposite direction, especially this month, if you've been uh, anywhere, really. Um, it's like, whoo, wow, our world is heading in a crazy opposite direction. But as we'll read in scripture, that's always been the case, nothing new under the sun. And we are called, and I love that about the word of God, is that it was written so long ago, but it's still alive and active. And it's, it's for today. It's not just for the people of the past. It's written to us today as a church to strengthen us, to help us. And so this is our source. This is our help. So we want to go to the word of God today together as a body of believers and say, God, what does your word say? Even if it's different than maybe what I grew up learning or being a part of, I want to align my life to your word and your word alone. And I believe that's where we see that unlocking that we are searching after, that we're seeking the Lord for. Why do we want to unlock that supernatural power? Because a lot of us come with brokenness and hurts and wounds, physical things, spiritual things, emotional things, and the Holy Spirit wants to come and he wants to heal us of those things, restore his people back to hell so that we can now go out and declare his goodness to those who are still living in darkness and bring them into his marvelous light. We're gonna look at that as we go together. And I love it that when we worship the Lord with our bodies and with our lips, like, like you know, we did it this morning, we're lifting our hands, we're singing out, we're connecting with him, giving him our full heart that what happens, his presence comes, the Holy Spirit comes, he inhabits those praises, he responds to our cries, to our prayers, he does church, he responds when we pray, when we seek his face, when we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, he lifts us up, and so that's what we're doing, but I I just love that it's uh, 
an encouragement for all of us together. And so I want to read together. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 together about an, an example to the New Testament church of how to worship together, not just as individuals, and, and how that applies to us today. We're going to pull some of those concepts out of it together and look at how the Lord is instructing us today in 2023 to worship corporately together in his house. So Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there with me. Verse 15, we're going to start. It says... Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love some of those key points that I wanna draw out together as we study God's word and as we draw from both what the New Testament is showing us and how do we pull it from the Old Testament, how do we link it all together and really accomplish what I believe the church is called to do in this very hour um, as we need to be strengthened together and unlock the supernatural power. So. When we look at it, Ephesians chapter five, we see one of the things it talks about is saying, it says to be filled with the, with the Spirit. So it's saying, Holy Spirit, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm open, come and have your way in me. And what happens when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak to one another. So it happened in a group setting. They began to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? Songs from the Spirit. And it says making music from our hearts to the Lord. So we're gonna look at that engagement of allowing the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, beginning to bounce off one another, those psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what we're called to do. And how do we now then engage our heart? How do we worship truly from our heart, not from a place of just coming and clocking in and clocking out, but how do we engage our full hearts before the Lord and, and bring a sacrifice to him and praise him in the way that he is due, uh, that he is worthy of, and that he is pleased with. I think it's important to note when we look at the book of Ephesians that it's being written to multiple churches. So it's not written to an individual saying like, okay, you, when you go home and you do this, it's saying like to the church of Ephesus, it says it's a call to worship the Lord corporately, not just by yourself, which I encourage you to do. I love a good by myself worship session with the Lord. It's amazing. I love singing old songs. I think I'm just an old lady at heart. And so I love old worship songs. That's my favorite. And I love doing that. And I encourage you to do that. Sing worship songs to the Lord by yourself, but don't let it stop there. I'm gonna encourage you. Maybe, I don't know if you're like me, but like for a long time, I would just belt it out in like the car or like in the bathroom by myself, really giving it like just singing and maybe it wasn't super sounding good, but then you come to church and you're like, sing quietly and a little bit shy because you don't like know if it sounds right or if it's, if it, you're doing in the right notes. I want to encourage you, let that same spirit of passion and excitement that you, I know you do it. I, I know I'm going to put a camera in all your cars to see how you sing in your car, how excited you are. But that's the kind of worship I believe the Lord desires of his people corporately together and why why did he why was there a call to the Ephesian church to worship together it's because they were living in an evil world 
They were living amongst challenges and they needed to come together to strengthen one another, kind of like bolster yourself back up and then go back out into this crazy world that's gonna pull you in a million different directions. And isn't it funny that not much has changed from that Ephesian church. We're still living in a present day culture where we step outside of these walls and you're like, boy, I really better get filled up while I'm here and encourage those around me and begin to worship and lift the, a song of praise unto the Lord because I'm gonna go back out from here and I'm gonna face challenges. I'm gonna face weird conversations. My kids are gonna face challenging things that they're being inundated with in their social media and online and with their friends. And they need to know who God is. They need to be reminded of his faithfulness. They need to worship him in the way that he desires to be worshiped so that we can go back out into this world and be effective, shining our light, declaring God's goodness to those who have yet to hear about his goodness. But I think it's important to note when we, when we consider worship, because I think there's like a lot of different styles that we can kind of think of if you kind of think of like maybe you, a lot of what we do, whether it's in church or at home, is like what we grew up seeing. So like, you know, as much as you try and fight it, you're basically your mother's, like it just happens. The older you get, you're like, whoa, it's happening. <laughs> you think I'll never be like that. And then you're like, I am, it's, ha it's, it's no, I love you. I love, I wanna be just like my mom. Um, <laughs> but that's the same with worship. Maybe you grew up in like a different kind of denomination or you saw an example somewhere, maybe good or maybe not very good. And you're like, boy, I don't really know, like, am I supposed to do that? Or what am I supposed to do? Or am, or am I just supposed to do kind of just like what I feel like? And like, maybe I just am tired today, so I don't want to lift my hands. Or maybe I'm like a little bit discouraged when I come into the place. I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling lonely, so I'm gonna let my emotions lead myself. No, 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 we are called as believers. We are made up of our body, soul, and spirit, and we are called to be led by the spirit. We are not called to be led by our emotions, how we feel or how our body feels. We are called to be led by the spirit. That's what it's talking about in Ephesians. It's saying, be filled with the spirit. It doesn't say sing out a song from your soul or from your emotions or from your body. It says sing out by the, led by the spirit, songs and hymns to one another. So and what happens when you do that? The Holy Spirit comes. And what happens when he comes? There's power, church. There is power when the Holy Spirit comes. I don't know if you felt it during worship today, but he comes and he begins to dwell in our midst and he begins to just shift things and change things and our hearts and our lives become aligned with his word and we're reminded the songs and the lyrics that, that the Lord has given to these different songwriters to, to write so that we can sing in our corporate setting. Man, they are a gift to the church to be reminded of who God is and his faithfulness and his love for us. Oh, what a good God we serve. And so that's why we come to worship, that's the point of corporate worship. But if we're not careful, we make it about ourselves, right? And we say like, well, that's like, maybe that's for like those, like Andrew, like he's just kind of an outgoing guy. So he can like sing and clap and shout. And that's like totally cool. Cause that's just kind of who he is all the time. But I'm not like that. I'm a little bit more shy. And so I don't want to do that. No, no, no. We're going to look together in scripture today and recognize and realize that it's not a call to your personality of how to worship. There's just a command of how the Lord desires to be worshiped. And if we look in scripture, it's very clear how to worship. And so that's my goal. That's our hearts. Pastor Ryan and I, heart for the church to say, how does the Bible command us to worship? Let us worship according to scripture, according to how he designed it. And that's when his presence really comes. Cause he's like, 
oh, I like this. That's what happens when we say he inhabits the praises of his people. We say that often here at Love City Church. What does that mean? It means we're praising him like he likes to be praised. And therefore he's like, hey, I wanna go hang out with those people at Love City Church today. Like they're really worshiping me. Their hearts are for me. They're singing songs. They're shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. They're lifting their hands. They're clapping. Sometimes Pastor Ram's like, let's clap. You're like, why are we clapping? Well, we're gonna look at it together in scripture of this is how God likes to be worshiped. So let's worship him how he desires to and watch as his presence comes and does the miraculous. And that's the unlocking of that supernatural that we see because the opposite is true. If we are not worshiping the way he desires or we're like, I don't feel like it, still a little bit tired today, it's a little bit awkward for me. What happens is unintentionally, what happens is we actually do the opposite. We lock up that supernatural power. Not because God doesn't want to pour out his presence, not because he doesn't desire to, but I believe what happens is we have this misunderstanding of how to worship and how, how the Lord desires to be worshiped. And so we're missing out on the, the incredible supernatural power that he desires for his people to strengthen the body of believers to be a bold light to shine in this dark time. And so I want to look at how we can go beyond spectators because um, I don't know about you. Well, if you've ever been on stage here trying to sing songs, I'm going to be real honest. It's really awkward when this, this group here is the only one doing it. And the rest of you all are like, hmm, I don't know. I don't really know this song. I don't really like it. That person looks weird. I don't know. I'm, I'll, let's be honest. We get there. We go there, right? And so, but when we all engage, there's moments where I'm up here and you all are singing with me and you're all worshiping with me. Oh, I tell you, you can feel God's presence in this place. You can sense that he's breaking off things. Just one moment in his presence, church, if you've ever experienced the presence of the Lord, I'm telling you, it's transformational. There's nothing like it. There's nothing sweeter. And there's nothing more powerful that can come. If you come in here broken and weary and discouraged and downcast, Try worshiping with us. Try engaging in the way that we're going to talk about this morning. And I guarantee you, you will sense a difference. You will walk out transformed and changed, not because of anything special any of the rest of us did, but because God's presence begins to come and it begins to move in mighty ways. And so I think it's important to note, back in the Old Testament, when it came to worshiping the Lord, there were certain priests that were designated for this task and had to go through a lot of like rituals and things to kind of cleanse themselves and make sure there was no sin in their life. And, and even then it was like they would put a bell on the, their foot so that if they went in and they died in God's presence because they were not holy, then they could just drag them on out. Like it's legit was like, whoo, man, to be in God's presence was like really a pretty intense moment. Really select few people got the opportunity to do that. Uh, I don't know about them, but I'd be like, choose somebody else. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, but we now have this access. When Jesus, just like Andrew was talking about, when he died on the cross, do you know what happened? There was a veil in the temple and it would literally tore from top to bottom, tore in two, and we had full access now to God's presence. Every single one of us. I think we often still operate like the Old Testament. We're like, oh, it's just those few people at the front, the pastors, the elders, they're the ones who are gonna do the holy stuff and I'm just gonna come and like sit way at the back and not engage fully because I don't really understand or no, 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 no. God, Jesus came so that we may all have access to his presence. He says, come and be in my presence. This is for every single one of us. We are now called to be the priests. The New Testament church 
is called corporately to be priests together. Every single one of us playing our part to worship the Lord, to bring sacrifices unto the Lord. It's not just a few anymore. It's every single person from the front to the back. No matter how old you are, no matter how young in your faith you are, it's for every single person. There's not an individual minister or leader anymore called a priest in the New Testament church. We are all called to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Let's read it together. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, this is New Testament, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Come on, amen. If you've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light, isn't that something to declare, saying, oh, thank you, Lord, that you called me from that old life and that old way, and you called me out of that darkness. If you... I'm sure you probably didn't want to remember what that darkness felt like, but it was dark and it was not good. And he called you out of that into his wonderful light. We are now called, every person doesn't, doesn't say here, just the few elders and that one pastor, he's the royal priesthood. No, no, it says, you are all a chosen people, all of us, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, to do what? To declare the goodness of God so that we can call people out of darkness. We all have access to that now. And I love that when we sing, when we praise, right in Psalms 22, 3, we, we've said it already today, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And I believe God has something so much more for us than I think we've even experienced. And we've experienced the Lord's presence so sweetly here at Love State Church many times, often, week after week. He's so good to come and be with us. But I believe that there's even more. There's even more for this church. There's even more for the churches across our nation, across the world. That is, the church corporately finally takes their rightful position as royal priesthood and begins to declare the goodness of our God and begins to align our hearts according to his word and begins to worship how he asks us to that's where that unlocking comes and there's gonna be people set free and lives transform. I believe like we've never seen it before, but it comes through an invitation from us to say, okay, I don't really like doing what this lady's saying to do today. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I don't really like it, but I wanna encourage you when you come to church, May it be a Sunday, a Wednesday to your group or youth night, youth, come on, this doesn't exclude you. I want to encourage you when you're coming, when you're driving, maybe you're walking downstairs, you forgot. It's okay. Just when you come in the building, say, Holy Spirit, may this be your prayer. Holy Spirit, have your way in me today. Change in me the things that I have gone off track on. Create in me, a, this is my, often my prayer, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, but restore to me the joy of my salvation. When we say that, it's an invitation to say, Holy Spirit, do something in me, but not just let it stay right here with me, but look, may it spill forth so that I may encourage every person who I encounter today. Guys, it's all of us together as we do it in one accord, oh, that's where that blessing comes. The Lord says he commands a blessing where there's unity. And so when we all do this together, can you imagine? If, like if it's just me saying it from the pulpit or Pastor Ryan or Andrew, it's great, it's good. But imagine if somebody comes in the room who hasn't heard about the Lord before and all of you are all saying the exact same thing as what was just said here, how much more effective that would be so that somebody says, oh, 
they're all saying the same thing here. They all say that this God they serve is so good and he's so faithful, he's so steadfast. Man, it's not just the guy at the front, they're all saying the same thing. Imagine what could happen and ignite in people's hearts as they recognize and they realize, oh, I wanna serve that God too. If they're all saying the same thing, we're all in one accord, that's where I believe we see breakthrough and that's where I believe we see that unlocking the supernatural where his presence is, there is healing, there is blessing, there is joy, there is fruitfulness. But the opposite is true. A rejection of his presence, a rejection of worship, how he desires, it brings about barrenness and bitterness in our lives. And I wanna look at that example of that in the life of David. David, we, we often look at David, um, King David in the Old Testament as a, an example for worship. He, well, much of the framework for how we worship comes from of the Psalms that he wrote and from his life. And so I wanna look together at this contrast that we see through the life of David and Michal in 2 Samuel and how an attitude in the heart of how we worship really does matter. We, we read about it in Ephesians, right? It says to sing, like to make music with our full hearts unto the Lord. It happens here as we see through the scripture. So let's look at it together as we see a contrast of one who worships the Lord with a whole heart and one who says, hmm, I don't really want to. I don't really like that. And so let's look together at 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. It says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. Okay, so right away we see just, we're gonna keep reading the story together, but right away we see a bodily expression, right? He wasn't just thankful in his heart to the Lord. That's beautiful, it's wonderful. That's where it should begin. But what did he do? He then began to dance. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a very good dancer. Pastor Ryan, incredible at dancing. Have you ever, I'm serious. He like, I don't know, he's got the moves. I don't. And so dancing for the Lord, it takes all that I am to get out of my comfort zone. I feel awkward when I do it, but I know that it's what, brings honor and praise the Lord. So I dance before the Lord. Just, so we see David dancing as a bodily expression of act of worship unto the Lord. Then we see it's a corporate gathering, right? It says all the people, they were so excited. Why? Because the presence of God was coming into their city. That is something to be excited about. They were so excited. And so all together, they were shouting for joy and they were making music by blowing ram's horn. So there was a music, they were shouting with their lips, their bodies were dancing. So we see all of these components of worship taking place. And then we see later that David was celebrating what the Lord had done in his life and he was pushing past his personal preference, just like we talked about, like, I don't really like that. That's not really my jam, I don't do that. But, the, but he pushed past even himself, our example, really throughout scripture of worship, how to worship, even him himself had to say like, this is a little uncomfortable for me, but I'm gonna do this as worship unto the Lord. He even said in 2 Samuel 24, when he was going to present a worship offering to the Lord, he said, he, but the king replied and he said, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. 
It's a sacrifice. It costs him something. It costs us something. This is not according to our own convenience or our own preference. This is a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Why? It's not, we're not just worshiping some false God or something that's not real. No, we are worshiping the living God, the creator of the universe who is alive and he reigns upon the throne and he is coming back for his church. He's coming back for you and for me, a spotless bride and he is victorious, like Andrew talked about, he reigns. And so that's who we're worshiping. Then we see a contrast of Michal, and it says in verse 16, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. Verse 20, when David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Remember, this is like the very manifest presence of God was coming into the city. And this was her response. And David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as a leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servants, girls you mentioned, will indeed think I'm distinguished. What an intense difference we see in their hearts for the Lord, for the presence of the Lord. One who, David, who celebrated, who shouted with joy, who was so thankful, dancing, just with all of his heart before the Lord, thankful that God's presence was going to come because he knew what God's presence could do. Michal, I believe, also knew those things about the presence of God, yet chose to have a different heart and a different attitude. She, she was disgusted by what his display of worship before the Lord. Her heart was one of bitterness, of disgust, of contempt, disdain or lack of respect or reverence. And what did it bring about in her life? If you continue to read through the story, it actually brought about physical barrenness in her life. And so we see a contrast. David was blessed by the Lord. Michal was now barren because she chose to say, I know that's probably how I should worship, but I don't want to, I don't like it. Her heart was not fully given unto the Lord as David's was, just as it links back to that New Testament verse we read in Ephesians where the Lord desires our full heart. He desires for the spirit to dwell within us, to speak songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, lift, encouraging one another, lifting our voices to declare who God is and being reminded in an atmosphere of believers, oh yeah, right, we've got this. We will win. We will be victorious. God's people win, but we got to do that. That's why we come together. That's why we worship we see so many examples of how to worship, which I think is important. I don't know about you. I like a great set of rules. I want to follow the rules. I am the rule follower in our family and Ryan 
does not like rules. <laughs> if you know Pastor Ryan, he doesn't follow rules. Um, he'll actually do the opposite of the rules, even if he knows that they're good. <laughs> so, but I love rules and I love, thank you, Lord, that he gave us really clear instructions in scripture. I honestly am like sincerely thankful. He's like, this is how you were supposed to worship me. This is how I desire to be worshiped. And I love that because just like love languages, if you've ever heard about love languages, it's like different ways that people like to be loved. Sometimes we get it wrong because we love people how we like to be loved, but it's not actually connecting to that person because it's not how they like to be loved. And I think it's the same with the Lord. I think he's like, that's nice. That's good. Worship, great. Good try. Awesome. But actually, this is how I really like to be worshiped. And when you do that, he's like, oh, I delight in those praises. Listen to their voices. Listen to them shouting unto the Lord. Listen to them. Look at them surrendered to me. We're going to look at those components of worship that are very clearly identified in scripture so that we can just say, hey, if the Bible says it, let's do it. Let's try it out. Let's do what it says in scriptures. All throughout the psalm, we, we see the word praise listed multiple times. And when we look at the Hebrew word for that time it's listed praise in that certain Psalm, we can link it back to a specific action or motion of how we are to worship, how we are instructed to worship, which is so helpful. So let's look at them together. We talk about Psalms 33 verse three. Those give a few examples in scripture and then we'll look at those Hebrew words together. It says, sing a new song unto the Lord. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Come on, I love it. Then it says Psalms 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Maybe that's the piano and the guitar. Um, unless you play the harp, please come forward. Uh, praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Here we see that dancing again. Oh my goodness, we gotta learn how to dance, church. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Um, the clash of cymbals is loud. How many of you ever have heard the drums and they don't, I mean, praise the Lord. We have, these are electronic drums, so hallelujah. It's controlled sound. Um, but if you've ever sat in a service where they don't have a drum shield around the drums and that drummer's going on that cymbal, have you ever heard that? And it's like, woo, it's like super loud. We actually got Ezra some electronic drums at home too. So I was like, just put your little headphones on, buddy. Like you do you, but I don't really want to hear that. It's loud. Like, but I love that example. Uh, worship unto the Lord is not supposed to be like, love you, Jesus. It's like, no, he's saying, clash the cymbals, shout to the Lord, sing songs of praise him, praise him with the resounding cymbals. They mentioned cymbals twice now, guys. So now we're really getting loud. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Okay, so that's, that's, that's the kind of worship I believe honors the Lord, that he delights in, that he desires for us to do. So let's look at those seven Hebrew words of praise together. First one is halal, which halal means praise in a loud, enthusiastic, with joy, jumping, spinning, like we saw with David, in celebration of the Lord. I love that, of his God's immeasurable greatness. Then we see barak, which is the physical act of kneeling before the Lord and worshiping him, of showing reverence and awe and respect to the Lord, right? It's a bowing down of our own self. And when we do that, what happens? He is lifted high and he is exalted. So it's not just a bowing in our hearts, but it's actually a physical act of worship the Lord asks of us. Then we look at one called Yada, And Yada is when you worship the Lord and you make a confession about who God is with your mouth and you raise your hands in thanksgiving. 
I'm so thankful. I'm raising my hands. I'm just declaring God's goodness. I'm thankful for all he's done. Then we have Shabbat, which is a shout unto God, like a shout of victory, right? We see the Israelites doing this when they marched around Jericho. What did God ask them to do on the last time around? Shout. And what happened? The walls came tumbling down, right? So when we shout unto God with a voice of triumph, we're shouting. That's when breakthrough comes. That's where we see God begin to move in incredible ways when we shout. Then there's Zamar, praise with our instruments. Love these, Lalana, she's so good on the piano. I love it. Then it's Tauda, which is lifting of our hands in Thanksgiving with a deep sacrifice. So sacrifice, that comes back to that, right? In 2 Samuel, I will bring the Lord that which, I won't bring the Lord that which costs me nothing. Bringing a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Then we have Tehillah, which is an intimate, unique, your own song to the Lord. We practice this all the time here at Love City Church. Maybe you're new to it, it's a little awkward for you, but I wanna encourage you to practice that tehillah where you just begin to just like, oh, I love you, Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. And practice it in your car maybe if it feels a little awkward for you, but begin to just thank him. It's not lyrics on a screen that you follow, though we love these songs that we sing. This is your own song and it's gonna be unique every time. It's gonna be something different. Maybe you're thankful for something new this week. And so you begin to thank the Lord for that incredible thing he provided for, he did big or small. That's that tequila, that's that song to the Lord. But I think what's important to note about all these responses of worship is there, it's a, it's a physical response. It takes kind of getting outside of our comfort zone. It requires an action, right? We, we worship the Lord with our hearts, but he also then says, now, now show me, worship me with your hands lifted high, kneel before me, bow before me, shout, dance, clap, sing for joy, because why? Our God is good, our God is faithful, He deserves all the praise and the glory. And it's important to note that we, it's like faith without works is dead, or saying I love my husband, but then treating him really terribly after, that doesn't go together, just like worship. We can worship the Lord with our, in our hearts, but it also requires an outward expression of that worship as he desires. It's so clear. Let us do this church. Let us worship the Lord in this way. And as I believe as we follow this biblical template, which I'm so thankful for, and begin to worship the Lord in the way that honors and pleases him. And as we take note and realize, man, we're called to be that royal priesthood. It's not just for the select few people. It's every person called to be the royal priesthood, a holy nation to declare the goodness of our God. And as we sing together, like Ephesians teaches us out, right? Singing one to one another. I'm singing to Harrison and I'm singing to Laura and we're beginning to praise the Lord together. And I'm like, oh yeah, I hear her voice. And I'm like, yes, he is good. That's right. I forgot this week. This week was hard. I forgot about how good God was. And I forgot that he's so faithful and that he never changes and he never fails. And he's the same yesterday, today and forever. But when so-and-so sang it over there, I was reminded and I'm encouraged. That's why we come together, church. That's why we believe for the unlocking of the supernatural power with laying on of hands, with speaking, uh, in tongues with the supernatural release of the giftings in this place and with, with worship. Why? Because we need to encourage one another. God is calling His church to rise in this coming day, to rise today and, and to declare His goodness to a world that needs to know the hope and saving power of our God. And we need to be transformed people so that we can go and people will say, man, they're transformed. Something happened. They were in the manifest presence of God. They must do that at their church. Man, I want to go to that church. I want to experience what they're 
experiencing, they're like a night and day difference of who that person was before they started going to that place. I wanna go, I wanna experience, just like Dearma did with Andrew, I'll go. Andrew, you're so cheerful at work. I'll go check out what this church thing is you're talking about. And God's now doing that work in Dearma's heart and he's now taking it to his workplace and God's beginning to use him in that way. But I believe it's for everyone. It's not reserved for just a few. So as we end our time together, I wanna just encourage us why we worship and what happens when we truly bring a song of praise to our God. The first and foremost reason why we worship, number one, is to glorify the Lord, to give Him the praise and the glory and the honor that He alone is worthy of. He alone is worthy of our attention, of our focus, of our praise. And so that is the primary purpose of why we come and we worship together is to glorify Him, to be that royal priesthood, to declare His goodness so that we can pull out others from that dark place that we ourselves were once in and say, come and experience this God that I serve. He's transformed me. He's changed me. That's our job, church, is to declare his goodness. And it says in Romans 12, one, that we are to offer our lives as a pleasing, living sacrifice. Let's read it together. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. That's my prayer every time I come. Lord, let my worship be pleasing to your heart. Let it not just be noise and meaningless chatter, but may my worship be pleasing to your heart, oh God. May it be a sweet aroma and to your throne. That's the kind of worship we wanna do. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse two, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, right? And then what happens? We're glorifying God, then what happens? Our own soul begins to get edified. We begin to recount. We say, God, you are my protector. You are my strong tower. You are my provider. You are my healer. We begin to say these things, not only as we read them on the screen, but we begin to do our own tequila and being reminded, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I serve the most amazing God who does the impossible, who does the miraculous, who raises people from the dead. We sing about songs of you do miracles, you part the sea. Those are all reminders to us in worship of who our God is. And so our soul begins to glorify the Lord and our soul begins to come in alignment with the spirit and says, okay, I will worship the Lord. I will glorify the Lord. I will go beyond my comfort zone and bring him a sacrifice that is pleasing to his heart not just singing our own song, but singing a song led by the Spirit that releases power in this place, that sets the captives free, that brings healing and restoration and hope. I know there are many in the room today that need that kind of hope, that need that kind of reminder in their life. So that's why we're here to remind one another from our hearts, our worship to the Lord. How do we have worship to the Lord from our hearts? We, it comes from a thankful place. Just the, the fact alone that he saved us, that he died on the cross for our sins, that alone is enough to just sit on for a real long time and just thank him for that alone. But then if you've been serving the Lord for a while, or maybe your grandparents have, and they begin to recount the faithfulness of God, man, he did this miracle and he showed up in this way. And man, we thought all hope was lost, but then he came and he found us and he helped us. That's the story of Ryan and I. We were reflecting this week when we were away for our anniversary. We came here 10 years ago, a very broken lost little family. We were bankrupt. We had no money. We were on food stamps before we arrived. 
our marriage was not doing well, but God saved us. We chose to say, we will go to the house of the Lord. We will worship. We will let him transform us. We are broken. We are hurting. But by the grace of God, he found us. He saved us. He placed our feet upon a solid rock that we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. He's restored our marriage. He's restored our finances. He's restored our family. He's using us in ways we can't even imagine. Why? Because we said, even though this is hard and we're not feeling like, boy, do you not feel like worshiping the Lord when you come in bankrupt and on food stamps. But I'm telling you, we came anyways and we said, Lord, we will worship you. We will glorify you with all that we are. And God came and restored us and he saved us and he and He cleansed us from all sin and he and He did a, a deep work in our heart. And that's what I believe. We, I, know, I know for a fact we could not have done that without the church. I know for a fact that the planting of our family in the church was the very reason that we are still standing today. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to do for you. There's stories across this room that people can say, yeah, no, we, it was the church. They helped us. They they came alongside us. They were encouraging us. We came to the house of God. We were reminded in His presence of who God is and the transforming work that He wants to do in all of our lives. It's not just for a few people. You 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 know, it's not just for a few of us. It's for every single person to say, God, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't understand it all. It's all very new to me. Maybe it's a little outside of my comfort zone, but Holy Spirit, would you have your way in me? Would you use me as a vessel? I'm ready to do your will. I'm ready to do what you've asked me to do. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. And I believe his power and his presence is gonna be poured out in ways that we haven't yet even begun to see, church. There's so much more. I believe there's a freedom that he wants to bring to many of you today. There's a, there's a restoration that he desires. He did it in us, he can do it in you. Our God is the God of the miraculous. And as we worship him in the way that he desires, as we bring glory to him, as we align our hearts to him, as we offer our bodies as a pleasing sacrifice to him, his presence comes and he dwells in our midst. Come on, his presence comes. The Holy Spirit comes and chains are broken off. Lives are restored. Bodies are healed. We need this supernatural power that we've been talking about. We honestly, church, we cannot do it this life to do what God has called us to do, to live in this dark world without the power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. And so I wanna encourage us from the front to the back, let's stand together. We're gonna practice this together. We're gonna practice these principles of worship that we read about in scripture, that there may be a releasing. Holy Spirit, we ask that there would be releasing of your power and your presence in this place, oh God.